0: Hooray, hurrah! The smartest man in the world, Proofcast, takes to the ether, this time from the salubrious confines of the Porpoise of Purdue, located somewhere in lower California. We won, we won, we won again. They we counted. We keep th- winning. We win every time. Uh, I'd like to introduce the Vice President elect, Jennifer. Hello. Hi, my name's Greg. You know who you are. <laughs> Again, my fine tech work wow. Yep. takes us to the limit. Uh, you've been watching the Bee Gees documentary. We've been watching the we Bee Gees documentary. We keep watching it. We've this is my it.
1: favorite Bee Gees song, actually. What? Jive Talking from 1975. I think it was an awesome turn for them. They were so brave to just go in a whole other
0: bag. Right. They'd been a white guy pop band.
1: Yeah. And they embraced the...
0: The coming away of disco? Black, gay, yeah.
1: disco sound, and with, you know, wonderful results. What is
0: it you said? They made music for women, finally.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That women could dance to. What? Look
1: at the production, they took chances. Uh, They're... Amazing songwriters and uh, the documentary spells out that they just went into the studio and because they'd worked together for so long, the three brothers could just, they wrote in the room, yeah. which is pretty wild.
0: They could all improvise and they had great talent and they could all harmonize at a moment's notice and they knew each other so well mm-hmm. um, and they played to each other's strengths. I remember them on the AM radio as a child and, and then dancing to them in seventh and eighth grade. And then they jumped into disco before everyone else did. Mm-hmm. They were never accused of like, oh, they went disco. It was like, oh, they'd gone disco way before they did Saturday Night Fever. With this record, in fact. I was sitting in a car park in Phoenix, Arizona with my nephew, Eric. I think I must have been 15 or 16, smoking a cigarette. Surely a, not. A, in a, in a, a, a a parental car or an older person's car. And... Uh, and Nights on Broadway came on. And I remember thinking, wow. Right? This record is really made to last.
1: Um, other white guy groups were not doing what they were doing.
0: No, let's talk about the best part of the documentary. Um, disco Demolition Night in the white so- in Comiskey Park. And- Which
1: was such a dire, awful state of affairs when when, uh, white guys decided that they needed to burn albums, like like a book burning, like a a crystal knock, (laughs) like a, exactly, like like a Proud Boys uh, conflagration. Um, And I thought it was tastefully done in the documentary because they, they have footage of it and they have a, a man who was an usher. Right a black man who was an usher there talk about it and talk about how people brought black uh, brought albums by black artists
0: to be burned to destroy Uh
1: and that was really what the backlash against disco was about it was a homophobia it was racism
0: the disco sexism pure
1: and simple
0: women brown people black people and gay people love disco and made it happen
1: I'm thankful that when, when I moved to San Francisco um I got to see Sylvester and the Weather Girls right? at Castro Street Fair. Yeah. I got to see them on the street on Castro Street. Yeah, um, disco was alive and well.
0: I I, I think it's one of the great American art forms, and I also think that everything that came off the back of it.
1: Well, it's clever, isn't it? And it, and, and it
0: won rock lost as we in my know, opinion because
1: we were fans. It went. It went it was shut down by radio stations and bigots here, then it went to Europe, then it came back through house music in Chicago, then it went back to to Europe, and it just, you know, it has never gone away. And it's sophisticated and fabulous.
0: Well, and also dance music. How much funner is it than uh, music that's Electronica. aimed directly at white dudes?
1: Well, that's sort of, you know. Yeah. Dinosaured its way out.
0: It really did. How come I can't get my? Well, because I'm terrible at tech. No, and now I've turned Siri on.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah, this is going to be the best.
1: Yeah, that's really podcast ever. Really here. awesome.
0: Whoa.
1: One that's of the what things I that I love that Morris Gibb uh, was really the mediator in the group, and he said. That one one of the brothers was okay. Two of them was good, but three of them was magic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I love that was so much. Funny, one of us is good. <laughs> two is okay. Three is magic. It's true though. That's true. When they're all together, well, a lot, there's a, several entities that when all, are some of their parts.
1: The number of hit songs. The songwriter. It just goes on and on. I think there were, it says at the end of the documentary, a thousand songs. Um,
0: Plus Islands in the Stream. What? Right, they they, they wrote
1: hits for other people. The thing that's Woman magical is that not only were they, they these hit makers with all this talent, but when things shut them down, they just, they morphed into something else.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, they changed it every time. But I do
1: remember when I saw them do Jive Talking on TV that I couldn't believe it. Was this the
0: Mike Douglas program? It was. And you loved it? I did. And the crowd was digging it, I'm guessing. Yeah.
1: But I was just like, "This what what yeah. was happening What
0: here? magic is this? Right? They're a good group. They're astonishingly adaptive. They did not um, issue. Uh, this part. I love this rock. I mean,
1: the documentary skips over a lot of uh, pain. That's for us. In their life. Um, and that's part of what makes it so watchful in this year, where everyone has had too much
0: pain. And everyone has lost everybody they right. know. And so, he lost all of his family, Barry.
1: Right. And, and, and it's that's heartbreaking. But to... Well... I thought that it was beautiful that it emphasized that they... Owed everything to black music, yeah. and gay music, and that there was a segment of the documentary about that, and not about their personal
0: right, right. Instead of exploring their uh, the Wilson family side of them, they, they they talked about what was actually going on. No, I dig well, into the a bigger lot.
1: picture, yeah, and that's what. Uh, I mean, we're, we're in, uh, December, it was May 25th that George Floyd was murdered.
0: Right. Um, let's, uh, yeah. And, and everything in the world's changed since then. Now we have a black vice president whose parents are from the Caribbean and India. She so... won
1: again today. She <laughs> won again today. Uh, Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris have won again today, and, and we couldn't be happier that we're going to have this team to set us right. It's just so beautiful. The caring, sharing group.
0: Right? Finally, the nice people after and, all. And them.
1: what was it that um, the.
0: I understand Bill Barr's going to spend time with his family. Lind- Linda Does Thomas- he have a family or what, what's going on there? Linda
1: Thomas Greenfield, remember she said she's bringing gumbo diplomacy. Right. Which it just, it's so great.
0: Uh, I'm totally bringing um, cheese filled bratwurst diplomacy to this moment. A vicious track.
1: Career or more that he should be using his false right,
0: which is the whole game. The whole game, right? What?
1: I didn't know that I had that bit of game, and that Morris apparently could play what. Seven right, he's
0: the Wayne Newton of group, and and the whole game with the Beaches is they scream like lemurs. It's like yeah. watching macaws made <laughs> in the forest. There's <laughs> there's so much screeching. But, this part,
1: a, I mean, the hearse quality, oh. and
0: hair I mean, and teeth and screaming.
1: Yeah, Toothsome doesn't really begin.
0: They have a certain. I march. also love
1: that then when there was a idiotic backlash against their sound that they turned to writing for majority of people women yeah
0: Dionne Warwick Barbara Streisand uh, uh, I'm a woman in love Dionne Warwick heartbreaker um, Yvonne Dolly Parton and Alman, um Elman. if I can't have you. Uh, Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, Violence in the Stream. Uh, what was the name? I can't remember Which the name. Which is really of jam, interesting
1: but... to write a hit song for two people who are famous songwriters. Right?
0: It's like writing a song for Smokey. Like, that's, what? That's can't you write a your your song They yeah. are.
1: Like, d- they were just breathing, no, living. Right. Barry Gibb has an album coming out. Right.
0: When Diane Warren calls and you pick up the phone, you're like, wait a minute. Wait, so, what? Hang on a second. I got to put you on hold because I got.
1: Dionne Warwick is hilarious on Twitter.
0: She what just was it? Turned Why are you the...
1: She just turned Twitter and she said she was coming after uh, Chance the Rapper right, and he's The, the rapper Weekend
0: And The Weekend.
1: But she wasn't going to uh, attack Kermit the Frog.
0: Right, Kermit the Frog. I noticed she left off Megan the Stallion too. Yeah.
1: She let her off the hook. Uh,
0: but I know uh, they're going to do a little confabulation, I think. Yeah. Deanna Warwick's uh, breaking into the verses between Gladys Knight and. Um,
1: to be a shining... Patty LaBelle
0: was maybe the highest point perfection. of my year so far. Literally it yeah. was. Yeah. And she was wearing white and she just stomped in and was like, what? And, and also could sing. And like, they were kind of. Gladys was making it happen. Patty. Yeah kind of threw a white flag in what? yeah uh,
1: she just kind of checked out but I mean
0: went, when Dionne Warwick walked in he, they stood up yeah like, they were like oh Colonel? god yeah, oh good, lord good morning general <laughs> like when does Gladys and I have <laughs> right. to stand up
1: she came in with her chiseled cheekbones right
0: and her and her great hair
1: yeah and her perfection and just laid ways
0: don't make me play Dionne Warwick because I will play Dionne Warwick all in that but game.
1: yes we did watch Aww. the uh, Bee Gees documentary twice
0: that's what we're it playing is a just feel
1: good a, moment yeah they were from the Isle of Man. Right? Then they went to Manchester and then Australia. They I just like, really,
0: I really feel like, um, that oh, the screeching. Oh my goodness! monkeys that's that's when monkeys take flight wow right from the pouch Gotcha. I think disco is such a strong genre. I, I always loved it. It's feel good, isn't it? Well, I went, to, I went to places to dance and you'd ask people to dance and stuff like it, it. It was more egalitarian. I felt like it was more social, too. It wasn't sitting in the corner getting the high by the, yourself. It what was, was the
1: name of the producer that was? Robert Stigwood? No, in, in the Bay Oh, Georgia
0: Maroon. Oh, Patrick. Uh, uh, oh, I just blacked his last name.
1: Michael Neruda... Patrick
0: Kelly. Oh Naruto McIwaldo.
1: Yeah. Um, we were lucky that we were oh there. Oh my god, bins, the area had so much great just, disco. it was just nonstop.
0: Patrick Kelly produced uh, Sylvester and, yeah. and the Weather Girls, everything.
1: Yes.
0: <clears throat> he was fabulous. Right. It's raining men. Hallelujah. And Romo and It's just fucking fantastic. Um no, I mean, I, I just I I don't agree with people who think that disco was a low point. I I feel like it's a. Oh
1: no! It's it's the genesis for so much that goes. You know that it continues. And every great today. artist did
0: some. Rod I mean, Stewart Rave's Franklin, and everything. The That's Rolling Stones, all from there. Yeah. You e- know? Everybody did a disco song at one point because they had to. It was that powerful. It wasn't that you were bowing to it. It was that you were acknowledging that it was such a great
1: well i think to to uh, look away from it at all is is just racist and homophobic right there's no getting around that it was a really um, upbeat oh my show to god and i'm glad that it came out now because i think a lot of people needed it
0: i so needed it here uh, here's one um, speaking of disco here's marvin gaye doing disco Um, how great is his disco song I won't hear a bad word about it here's one that really got it started too which was pretty wild Donna Summer. Donna Summer.
1: And this is a German hmm. producer? Is this Giorgio Moroto? It's
0: Giorgio Moroto. Yeah, Germany had a lot to do with yeah. what was going well, on. Well,
1: like I said, it, it went back and forth because of the racism of radio stations in the states.
0: But I remember hearing this still on the radio and thinking it was so different and...
1: It was different.
0: And wild, you know?
1: But that's what I thought was uh, underplayed in the documentary about the Bee Gees, is their willingness to take chances with production and go in a totally different way.
0: How about this one? Here's a little San Francisco for you, Jennifer. Oh, yeah. Dance with me in the disco heat. Oh. Give a cigarette. A new president and a new vice president, all you guys, for reals.
1: With an awesome new cabinet, everybody there to put things to right. That this cabinet, that that Biden and Harris haven't put together an awesome team. This is the most progressive, diverse team mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And quell any of your dissent when you think about the fact that they're replacing the fascist regime.
0: The Sopranos.
1: Yeah, the the orange roly-polies. Yeah. Um, that...
0: The Scambino crime Yeah, family.
1: exactly. It, it's a 180. Don't, you know, save, crime it.
0: Sa- yeah.
1: save your quibbling for, for yeah. Mitch McConnell. No. Because yeah. Nancy Pelosi has done everything to right this democracy, and Mitch McConnell has stood in her way as she's passed hundreds of bills what? to you help know, the country.
0: Biden and, uh, Biden and Harris have a good relationship with uh, some of the. Uh, People on the other team, and we're hoping that... And I don't want to be naive about well, it, I Pollyanna. Know, I
1: don't know if it's good relationship so much as the other team...
0: Acknowledges they exist.
1: Kind it, of is in awe of them.
0: Yeah. Well, because they won?
1: No, because they're that good. Yeah.
0: Frank, awesome. Hey, let's go into some uh, of what we need to start the show in some ways. Uh, there's a lot of people who've um, moved on into the... Uh,
1: uh, too many people.
0: This week's been a terrible week, of course, in America. And uh, uh, But let's just start at the um, top here. Rayford Johnson, um, who I didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Um, what did Rayford Johnson do? Well, in 1960, he won the decathlon. That's the main um, crowning achievement that everyone would know him from. And when people win the decathlon, they're often called the greatest athlete in the world. Um, he was um, uh, certainly... Um, uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, um, but he d- was so much more than that. He went to UCLA because Jackie did and because um, Ralph Bunch did, who was uh, an ambassador to the United Nations and an African American. He also um, started a, the Special Olympics here in Southern California in 1969 and was on the Isn't board Isn't that for
1: wonderful? Juniors.
0: So his advocacy for everyone. Um, he, he was
1: adored.
0: Rafer Johnson is a—he's a, a no, not just an Olympian. He's like—I don't know—one of the world's greatest athletes. It's one thing.
1: The photo of him with the torch.
0: So, dig—that's the story. That so beautiful. They, Peter Ubbroth convinced him to do it, right? And because he was the 1960 decathlete and the great—do what? Climb up the stairs at the LA Coliseum in 1984 where the Russians didn't play we didn't play in eight, or they didn't play in 80 we didn't play in blah. really? and so uh, the LA Coliseum has 10,000 steps like you saw the Omega Man with Charlton House remember when he rides down on the motorcycle no I didn't and uh, he said in rehearsal he never made it to the top and then toward the end the steps got narrower and
1: you mean Rafer Johnson?
0: Rafer Johnson said when they ran through it, he was only his 40s, he trained massively to do it. Oh
1: my God, he looks so young in oh, the no, photo. He's,
0: he's always, he's the world's greatest athlete. So he, they painted black dots in the middle of the steps so he could see where he was running. Then at the very top, when he had to put the torch into the giant gas flame, which is a terrible moment because it's real random, and he made them build him a... Uh, a thing that he could hold on to when he got up to the top, so that he wasn't. He goes, I was standing on a foot wide thing. Wasn't at the it top Jesse of the Owens'
1: sti- granddaughter that gave him the torch? Yep.
0: So, Jesse Owens, who won in the Berlin Olympics, the gold, four gold medals, and there's that weird footage where hitler gets mad and runs away but i think it's doctored you know but he hitler wasn't happy because it was supposed to be the master race olympics and here we were plucky america sending over an african-american even though of course uh he wasn't treated well when he got home because we're american um rayford johnson also uh so he got to the top and he said you know he, he held on to the thing and then he put the the torch into the gas flame and it went boom. Right. And he had to stand there and he was like, I was so, a too hard. this is, I am at the top of the stadium that ha, that holds 75,000 people. The LA Coliseum enormous. Right. And on a tiny little stair that's this big. And they built me a thing to hold on to because I was just like, I can't. And aside from that though, his advocacy, his um, awesomeness, he was
1: his charitable works are extensive No,
0: Rayford Johnson is a, a great American and a, a superb athlete um, his training partner um, C.K. Yang uh, was with him at UCLA and they went down to the last day of the decathlon and that's the day he beat Yang he came back from 55 points it's, it's just a a legendary sports story the, and,
1: the fact that he uh, decided to help disabled kids mm-hmm. is so beautiful.
0: And uh, he picked cotton. He grew up in Texas. He had no advantages and is someone that he was really close with JFK. And then he was close with RFK. And well, that's
1: he, the story that's just...
0: Well, him and Roosevelt were, were... No, but him. the...
1: Our, the rfk story
0: him and roosevelt were with rfk at the ambassador hotel the night of his assassination john
1: lewis was upstairs
0: Mm. after the assassination rayford johnson was the one who prized the gun out of sirhan sirhan's hands and had it in his pocket johnson and had to give it up later to the authorities he had it on him and went home and then of course it's a terrible moment in american history and it's a pivotal moment in American history. But it's part of why Rayford Johnson is so important as a person. He's not just a great decathlete, an Olympic champion person who started the Well and Special a, Olympics a lot of people
1: that you and I are fans of, at, at that point, when RFK was assassinated, really had a hard time going back to what they had been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went on, it seems like, you know with more a sense of urgency
0: the next year he became the chair of the yeah um, special Olympics he's a uh, he, he had a little bit of a movie career uh, he was offered he did a little TV announcing and whatnot as well um, he also played for um, John Wooden and John Wooden is a legendary coach here in Los Angeles uh, who also coached Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton and his tenets and his work ethic were always uh, the highest caliber and very, you know what I mean, right. super dedicated, uh, always sacrificing yourself against the group and really trying to be a, a leader uh, morally. And I think that it's imbued in all of them. Raver Johnson's a beautiful, beautiful athlete. He's swirling in the heavens. Let's talk about Dick Allen. And I want to because when we went to the Negro League, um, Hall of Game a couple years ago, and I've been super, super. Um...
1: It, this hit hard because we enjoyed being with him so much, and it was only two years ago.
0: Um, they've let me. Uh, uh,
1: we also get... know how close, I mean, Bob Kendrick, who is the president of the Negro League Museum, how close he was to Duke Ellen, and mm-hmm. how much he, he arranged, you know every single event uh, curated what was going on there yeah. and uh, the year we were there when Dick Allen was there uh, mm. he was just the life of the party
0: I was asked to uh, host again uh, by Bob Kendrick and uh, Dick Allen was there and Eddie Murray and, but Dick Allen really was hilarious he was offhand and funny the whole time we had lunch with him. We were able to hang out with him. But Jennifer and him sat in the back of the bus together. And were the real thing that I was-
1: couldn't believe was that when we were, it was just the four of us on the bus. It was Eddie Murray, you and me, and Dick Allen. And Dick Allen was holding court, and he was, he was telling tales of tragic events that led him to wear a helmet on the field because... People were throwing batteries at him yes. from the stands. And then two minutes later, he was telling a funny story. He, he carried it with such lightness. He didn't seem, you know, it, it was just profound to me that he could be that light about all of this that had happened to him. Uh-huh. Then was, he was sharing it with us yeah. and letting us know what was what. But also, he would then tell a funny story.
0: Right? The Phillies centered to Little Rock in 63. And there hadn't been a black professional player in the minors there. And he told us that they threw stuff at him, batteries, whatnot, coins. And then at the end of the year, they gave him, what was it, a washing machine and a wreath and whatnot, like a,
1: He had death threats car. every day. Yeah, but he was he the said. most
0: valuable player of Little Rock that year because he hit 30 homers. You know, he did what he does. And at the end of the year, they were like, oh, well, you're the best player on the team. So, But he got death threats every day. And when he went to the Phillies, every of course, day. he famously wore a helmet on the field um, when he played with the Phillies. He was also Rookie of the Year and hit 29 homers with 125 RBIs his first year.
1: The thing I couldn't believe is that you had told me that sports writers thought that he was difficult. Cholesome. And the man couldn't have been more... Fun to be with.
0: Perhaps his point of view, which uh, was that he felt that some of his managers were unresponsive.
1: Well, I'm thinking that maybe the sports writers were all Uh white. Uh-huh.
0: In in the 60s? In the 60s? First of all, the PR person for the Phillies came up with Richie. And he was never called Richie. His family didn't call him Richie. He's Dick and Richard. And Dick Allen is what he wanted to go by. That battle was fought through my whole childhood. By seven, when he won the MVP with the White Sox, finally in the '70s, which he much deserved, and it was well into the career, it was eight years and ten years in the career, he was then Dick, right? He was Dick Allen after that. But for the first years, it was Richie. And the famous photo was him riding boo in the dirt next to first. (laughs) Because the fans were on his...
1: The thing that that I was... He was a
0: superb hitter, Jennifer, and a a really tremendous baseball player. The
1: thing that blew me away was at the museum when he said, this is my Hall Mm. of Fame. He didn't seem bitter at Uh -uh. all. And after everything he went through... He carried it so.
0: All right, tell the story lightly. about getting on the bus with the, and the security but, guard and everything. Oh well,
1: there was a there was a really uh, his wife is there was, there was a, a hot woman security
0: police guard. officer
1: yeah. who was there, and he was sitting on a bench with her, and he was flirting with her, and at one point he was holding her hand, and then he got on the bus, and he walked by his wife who was not amused. Uh. And he turned to her and he said, oh, it's nice to meet you.
0: Yeah. That was in front of everybody. (laughs) That was Kenny Lofton. That
1: was
0: (laughs) Eddie Murray. And then
1: when... uh, Dave Stewart. During the the earlier press conference, he had been talking about uh, Negro League players that he had known. Yeah,
0: Judy Johnson. There was about
1: 44 of them. Yeah. And uh, he started listing them. And I turned to Kenny Lofton and I said, I think he might... Name them all. And Kenny Lofton started laughing.
0: I love that you said in a story, I turned to Kenny Lofton. Right? Right?
1: That's what's magical about going to the museum. That's
0: why it's the best thing ever. Kenny Lofton is so great, and he played for so many teams, and he was so great for all of them. Such
1: a nice person.
0: Well, Dick Allen, um, getting back to the subject at hand, um, deserves to be in the um, Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. And the only reason he's not is um, that well, white writers.
1: I'm sorry, I just want, I want to interrupt and say that but what majesty do you have to have to carry your greatness so lightly as he did?
0: I was wildly impressed having seen him as a player when I was a kid, of course, growing up with him, knowing his numbers and stuff, because that's what we, you know, the baseball cards but and what
1: he went through.
0: But also, he was an exciting slugger. Like, when you saw Dick Allen, you were... Like, to me, the exciting players on the other teams were Roberto Clemente, uh, Henry oh, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, I
1: yeah, got Henry it. Aaron,
0: yeah. Bob Gibson, whatnot. Uh, 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 Dick Allen. Um,
1: he Pete, should be in the Pete, Hall of Fame.
0: Tony Perez, Pete Rose.
1: He should be in the Hall of Fame.
0: Wooly Stargell. Like, when they came up, you were like... Like, it's gonna happen. They're great. And... I just feel like he's in that echelon. Maybe his numbers aren't as gigantic. Um, He came from uh, Pennsylvania at Wampum, which is just great. Judy Johnson, the great Negro Leaguer, scouted him and came to his house. Um, He...
1: That's kind of legendary in itself.
0: The other legendary thing is Jennifer and I, and this is the truth. It's not like great fun or whatever. But Philly's the most racist of all the baseball franchises in the National League, not in the American League. The American League is, would be Boston, but in Philly, they were the last team that integrated. And he didn't go to the Giants. He didn't go to the Dodgers. He didn't go to the uh, the car, whatever. Like uh, other, t- the Braves, the Giants, the Braves, and the Dodgers all had superstars by the mid-50s, right? Henry Aaron, Willie Mays, um, Jackie, um, Campy, nuke, Monty Irvin, blah, Bill Burton. And the Phillies waited forever. And he, he got stuck with that team, which I don't think made his life a, a, a dance through the woods. I think he had a lot of obstacles to face. But
1: he didn't seem like that weighed heavily on him. Mm. And I think that it was because of his uh, enormous will that it it was and you know he he didn't let that weigh on him.
0: Fair enough, and tremendous talent. Uh, Dick Allen was uh, a rare baseball player. It, his book's called Crash, and if you want to read it, it's a real great account of him uh, talking about with an, with another writer about his time in the big leagues and spending time with him. It's a bit like Satchel Page's America, in so much as you meet him in bars, you meet him having a drink and whatnot. It's it's very good. Um and I would recommend it. It's a great baseball biography. He's a great player. And he he's in the Hall of Game and he deserves well, to be in the and Hall of I, Fame. And he
1: was a lovely person and I'm so glad I got to meet him. And it's been such an awful year. Um Carol Sutton uh, swirled on at 76 from COVID-19. Mm. She was an actress and I remember her from recent recently from Queen Sugar which I'm a, a, fi- a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, a TV show yeah. that Ava DuVernay produces that, that is directed actress. by women. Mm. Yes. And it's an awesome show. I really love it. it. For me, it's very soothing and it takes place in Louisiana and she was from New Orleans and the quote that I wanted to read was um, well first of all I think her the first time she was on TV was in the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Oh my
0: goodness that famous movie. Which was
1: written by Ernest Gaines who was a writer who passed away last year who is from Louisiana a very important writer Um, and she was in Steel Magnolias. She was in Ray. She was in Tremé, True Detective, and Love. Recently, loved Country.
0: So she was country. having trouble booking.
1: Um, the mayor of New Orleans, Latoya Cantrell, said, "Carol Sutton was practically the queen of New Orleans yeah. theater, having graced the stages across the city for decades." We will always remember her commanding stage presence, her richly portrayed characters, and the warm heart she shared with her fellow cast and crew in productions such as A Raisin in the Sun, May She Rest in God's Perfect Peace. Um, She had such a long career, and the fact that she returned to New Orleans always for theater and was a big presence there, and we always think about New Orleans and that kind of... uh, You know, there's a community there Mm. that needs uh, nurturing, looking after, preserving, and healing after everything they've gone through in the several decades. And the fact that she died from COVID nineteen is heartbreaking. It is. And she played a real uh, the nurturing anti character in Queen Sugar. Right.
0: She's still recognizable. Yeah. Oh golly! Um,
1: Los Angeles County is the biggest county in America. Uh,
0: Tell and, me about it. And we we've <laughs> what
1: we've uh, got a new district attorney, and his name what? is George Gaskin, and he has already said he wants to end cash bail for misdemeanors and nonviolent offenses. He wants to stop pursuing the death penalty. Yeah. This, to me, is huge. The last time I was uh, down at uh, City Hall with for uh, jury duty, mm-hmm. that was why I was released, because they wanted to get the death penalty for this kid. He was a teenager. So George Gascon, uh, not only does he... He doesn't want to... Uh, see youth in adult court, which is
0: right. Awesome. Trying kids as adults. And he
1: does not want to pursue the death penalty, which is like following in, in the footsteps of Kamala Harris. Maybe That's because what, it's what so
0: racist and so... Well,
1: no, it's just wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. I couldn't agree um, more. He wants to end the use of three-strike sentencing. Yeah. It's all awesome, and it will transform. This is the biggest court... Uh, uh, what do you call it? The, the, there, we have more court cases in Los Angeles County than in anywhere We're a in America.
0: We're as big as a country. I
1: know. I read today that if if Los Angeles County was a country, we would be the 10th biggest country.
0: Um, I want people to listen to the show, so I'm going to try to extract this last segment that you just did.
1: Okay.
0: I'm joking. Oh. That was funny. Wow. Um, I know, but, you know, people are tired of hearing that L.A. is the world. Right?
1: L.A. is the world. What? In terms of America.
0: For one, night Again?
1: No, but enough with the East Coast.
0: Hey, Jennifer, we have friends on the East Coast. We love everybody I know. We everywhere. We love the
1: East Coast. We have a vice president. That She's the first Democrat from California that's... Going to be represented as a vice president, the first I, I one. I couldn't be
0: more excited. Uh, California's wild. I mean, we had Nixon and
1: Reagan; they Ugh. were both Republicans. So now we have a Democrat, and it's overdue. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is uh, we had mentioned before the Turkish immigrants to Germany, who had.
0: Oh yes, please.
1: Worked on the Moderna vaccine, the BioNTech vaccine.
0: The one that's gonna make next year Jolly.
1: Right. And the it was very exciting to see last night the the planes landed in LA with the vaccine that has already been all over the States.
0: I had a fight with Chuck Norris this morning.
1: And going back to the woman who is from Hungary who uh, developed the mRNA therapy that she'd been working on for years. I I was reading about her uh, more, and it's just astounding that she was demoted. She was uh, actually demoted from being an assistant professor. When she first tried to patent this mRNA therapy, they wanted to give her... uh, Co worker, prior uh president in the credits, and she had to say, No, it's my lab. I'm right. the yeah. woman that is in charge of this. Um when she came to the States, they had sold their car. And put the money...
0: They didn't just sell it, though, in Hungary. It was on the uh, black uh, market. Yeah. And, and they, the they had
1: money. 900 pounds, and they stuffed it in her daughter's teddy bear. Awesome. And came to the States with that.
0: But they sold the car in the box market. In
1: I love that she, every step of the way, she kept telling... She never let up. Yeah. It, it, people think that this is some kind of overnight success, These people, the Turkish immigrants in Germany, her, they've been working on trying to cure HIV, cancer, and then this presented itself, and uh, we're hoping that they win the Nobel Prize. Uh, She was demoted to an adjunct position in 1995. Uh, She was diagnosed with cancer. Um, She kept pursuing her research. Her daughter, by the way, is an Olympic rower, rower who has two medals.
0: Right, gold medals. And
1: she said, uh, Catalina Carrico, she said that her daughter gave her strength to push forward. Wow. But obviously, both of them are just unstoppable. But the fact that she was not given any credit or you know, any push forward is, is, is kind of wild Um,
0: And yet she's the one who came up with the...
1: Right. Her daughter has two gold medals on the U.S. rowing team in 2008 and 2012. Um, And she just stays on the job. I read about how the couple in Mainz, that they didn't even go on a honeymoon. Um, She just uh, worked until she's... Responsible for bringing this drug into our lives this year to save people. She had to say uh, she was referred to as Mrs. in an article uh, in which her male colleagues were given the title professor. Mm. Uh, That speaks to the Dr. Biden issue this week. Um, Another article confused her as a postdoc in her partner Weissman's lab as she said I don't work in anybody's lab I created my own field hmm. armed with her patent and on the patent she had to fight for her name to be first to be sure and now she's we're, we're all beholden to her yep. its it's a wild ride from putting money in your daughter's teddy bear
0: to get from hungry,
1: Yeah. Yeah. She said she got the call from Pfizer before they were publicly announced. Afterwards, she treated herself to a bag of chocolate-covered peanuts.
0: Wow. Because she can sequence like a <laughs> demon. A bag of chocolate-covered peanuts.
1: Can you imagine? I mean, if it was a man... if
0: we never stop talking about it.
1: But, I mean, they would never... They, they would never have to fight for that kind of credit
0: right they'd never have to fight for that kind of credit no the fact that we're entertaining
1: we're in a week where we were a, a, a man had an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal where mm. he thought it was silly that Dr. Joe Biden used
0: an her honorific.
1: doctorate yeah Whereas, someone pointed out, for over 60 years, we've been calling Henry Kissinger doctor. Seb Gorka was a doctor. Right. And no one balked at that.
0: No. No, Nazis never get balked at it. Yeah, really dire and dastardly.
1: But, you know. So, the woman, the woman that may be saving...
0: Humanity. Humanity
1: had to fight for her right to... Uh, the patent and her uh, legacy. And she's an immigrant. It's awesome.
0: Immigrant? Charlie Pride.
1: Charlie Pride was the son of sharecroppers in Mississippi. And he. World away at 86 and I have to say that I, I uh, yelled when I saw the news. Yeah, you did. It was just so awful. I mean, there's so many people that have been stripped away from us this year and he's the preeminent black country artist in a, right, in a genre that is so horribly white
0: yeah.
1: and country music is people of color is indigenous people is black people mm. the idea that it's now and has been for decades of white territory is just a, a construct of white supremacy
0: well but Charlie Pride was someone here with aplomb and class and pure talent and, and- a dedication and Charlie Pride's amazing for several million reasons
1: he said I'd like to be remembered as a good person who tried to be a good entertainer and made people happy was a good American who paid his taxes and made a good living I tried to do my best he
0: was he was all that and he was also a a great ball player
1: Isn't that wild He
0: wanted to be a ball player And he wanted to play In the major leagues He played in the Negro Leagues For um, New Orleans And uh, the Memphis Red Sox How did you find that out You told me I was at uh, uh, The airport in Memphis And I phoned Jennifer And Jennifer uh, Says to me on the phone "Um, You need to know this Charlie Pride Played for the Memphis Red Sox And his brother Mark Was a star pitcher and I was like, what? And then, then I knew that. Then we went to the Negro League Museum, and Charlie Pratt an autographed ball there that Getty Lee donated.
1: It's a pretty wild part of the exhibit.
0: i It's my favorite thing in the museum. I do love all of the Satchel Paige stuff and Josh Gibson stuff, and Jackie, of course, and Peanut and Mamie. But... Charlie Proud's autograph ball gives me a thrill because he played for several, three Negro League teams and tried out with the Mets and it didn't happen. Then he moved to Montana and uh, picked up his manager and then the demo they made finally got to Chet Atkins.
1: It kind of reminded me a a bit about Bill Withers because he was working at a smelting plant in Helena. They were both
0: working in blue collar. Right?
1: Yeah. And and also uh, that... Charlie Pride was so he was so driven that he had thought about I'm going to do this baseball career and then I'm going to become a country western singer. But he said listen, that, that it, his dad didn't yeah. want them listening to blues, but they got they were in a rural part of Mississippi. What I, there's very quite rural,
0: close to Tennessee where he used to drive over with his brother. And, right, and
1: they would listen to the country music yeah, station.
0: Yeah, more totally. Yeah.
1: But I mean having this idea that on pause you're gonna become a great how many hits did he have in country? Almost music? more than
0: anyone. I think it's fifty something. Fifty five in the top ten it's phenomenal and twenty nine or number one, something like that. It's it's crazy. He's not just a superstar, he's a super superstar. Yeah. Like uh, Eddie Arnold or or Reddalyn or whatnot. It's it or Dolly
1: well I certainly knew him as a kid well my grandfather had three favorites and and? they were Charlie Pride Merle Haggard Uh, 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 and Johnny Cash uh, 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 and that was it uh, That that was the spectrum
0: that's traditional um
1: I think that's hip not traditional
0: I do too and also here's something about Charlie Pride he um this song, and by the way, and we're ending on this, and then we're going to say...
1: What about Chet Atkins signing him?
0: To um, everybody took a chance. A lot of crowds he played for had never or didn't know that he was a black man when he came on stage, and he would make a joke, and they would all laugh, and then he got standing out everywhere he went. He's an astonishing country star, he's an astonishing American, he's a beautiful person and an interpreter of, of a material that is almost unparalleled in his consistency and um, artistry. Right? Very much so. He's just...
1: He sort of accomplished everything that he set his mind to, he then became, a. he, he bought a lot of real estate.
0: He was. No. He was great at show business. He's great at business.
1: Yeah. At life. Wait, right. he, he sounds like he was a lovely person.
0: Right. Uh, you are the smartest crowd in the world. Jennifer's the smartest woman in the world. I'm the smartest man in the world. May every um, page you turn be a satchel page. Whoa.
1: Like here it says, "Impressed by Pride's formidable baritone voice and Hollywood good looks," right. that's how he got signed. It only took being that well superlative. Yeah.
0: May every bell uh, be a cool Papa Bell, and if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're Barry Bonds. Yes, we're playing this one again. I wish you nothing but love.